Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this time we're talking about Richard Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier, Eric, the Knight of the Rose, which is one of his collaborations with uh, Hugo von Hofmannsthal. Very happy collaboration, that. And it debuted in Dresden in 1911. Right. And when we think of, of Richard Strauss, we sort of tend to put his output into two camps. There's the post-Wagnerian operas that he did. We're talking Zalome and Die Frau ohne Schatten and Elektra. And then we have his, his neoclassical mode, his, his almost Mozartian mode. And this is the crown and glory of that output. Typically, singers who specialize oftentimes in Mozart will also specialize in these operas by Richard Strauss that are of this, of this type. It is set in Vienna at the time of the Empress Maria Theresa. So we are transported back to a, a bygone era Indeed. in Viennese history. Right. And the curtain rises on a most interesting uh, <laughs> scenario. Scenario. <laughs> the overture basically is depicting, how shall we say it, uh, an assignation. Passionate lovemaking. Okay, we'll just say it. <laughs> the passionate lovemaking of the Marshallin and her young lover, Octavian, who is not her husband. Octavian is about 17. And the Marshallin is this much older woman. She's actually sort of early 30s. Oh, my gosh. What a crone. <laughs> which, is, which is funny because it's an issue in this opera. And she, especially the first act, she talks about it a lot, about aging and how old she is. And, you know, from our perspective, you know, early 30s is... It's nothing. It's nothing. It's still, still a, a youngster. But in her era, that was... A woman who was uh, no longer in the bloom of, of uh, youth. She's a princess. She is nobility. She's royalty. And her husband, the field marshal, yes. is away on a hunting trip. Right. And so she takes advantage of his absence to take up with Octavian again. Right, which she has clearly been doing for quite some time. And they seem very happy together. Yes, very but she so. knows that at some point she's going to have to give him up. Yeah. Because he's going to he's going to meet a younger woman. Yeah. And he's somebody more age. his own age and mm -hmm. uh, and he is the son of of a count as well. He is nobility. Yeah, he is a count and he, he, he uses the title Count Rofrano. As the curtain rises, as you said, they have just finished their lovemaking. Yes. And they're getting ready to greet the world, and there is a commotion outside of her rooms, and Baron Ox von Lochenau, yes, one of her cousins, yes. a, a relative, has arrived and wants to see her and won't be put off by her servants. Right. And she's not ready to receive people, but she... Uh, Baron Ox, it's important to note, is... From the country. He's a country bred gentleman. And his. <laughs> what does that mean? He's a little rougher around the edges. <laughs> <laughs> he's a rube. Yeah, that's exactly right. He's a little rough around the edges, or maybe even a lot rough around the edges, as, as the case may be. This guy is. He's kind of like a Teutonic Falstaff in a exactly. way. Exactly. You know? Yes. <laughs> he's, he's big, he's loudish, he's kind of oafish. He's um, he's all about satisfying his physical appetites. And he thinks he is just 
you know, all that in a bag of chips, <laughs> which almost nobody else thinks. But the problem is, as he's trying to get in to see the Marshalin, yes. she's there with Octavian. Right. What does she do with Octavian? Right. Well, what she does is she disguises him as a chambermaid. <laughs> <laughs> so he's dressed up as a chambermaid. In comes Baron Ox. Who sees the chambermaid and goes, Ooh. <laughs> She's a tasty morsel. Yeah. <laughs> and starts flirting with her, much to the consternation of poor Octavian, who has to, you know, carry on the ruse. And of course, adding sort of insult to injury is that the Baron has come to see the Marshalin because he wants her help in winning the hand of a much younger girl, Sophie. Right. He wants to propose marriage to her, which in their family, they have this tradition. The tradition is that he's, well, he's come to the marshal to ask her to appoint a knight of the rose, someone from their family who would be Baron Ox's emissary. Emissary, thank you. Perfect mm-hmm. word, emissary. And bear the silver rose of their family to young Zophie, which is the way that they propose marriage. So, basically, yeah, the the awkwardness is that Octavian is the one who's going to be chosen to be the Knight of the Rose, and he's standing there in uh, In full chambermaid garb. Chambermaid garb, (laughs) trying to fend off the Baron, who is his cousin. (laughs) And the Baron also wants help setting up the marriage contract. Yes. And the Marshalin says, well, my attorney, my lawyer will be here in a little while. Hang around. And you can get him to work on on that marriage contract for you. Right. She's the one with the money. The Baron has no money. She's the one with the money and the power. And in fact, one of the reasons that he wants to marry Zofi is because her father is wealthy. Exactly right. Fanny Nile, in fact, recently ennobled. He's sort of nouveau riche. And marrying Zofi, the Baron gets not only the money but he gets the pretty young girl. Exactly. And Faninal is taken by the Baron because he's old money. He's from sort of established nobility. He's got the title. He's got the title. It's been in the family for, for generations, whereas Faninal's is recently acquired. Right. And so this will help bolster his noble bona fides. His you got no- the title, I got the money, let's, let's, call the <laughs> let's whole make this happen. Right. <laughs> so the Baron is, is waiting for the Marshalin's levee to begin, which is her morning ritual of making herself presentable to the world. And as she is made ready by her servants, all sorts of people are coming through her antechamber. Uh, you know, there are musicians and there are all kinds of people. There are two Italian intriguers, you know, gossip mongers, Anina and Valtzaki, who are trying to interest the Marshallin in their little scandal rag. And all of these are, people are coming in and out, and it's uh, a very busy scene. Mm-hmm. So in the midst of this, uh, an Italian tenor has come in, and he's singing his aria for the Marshallin. And while he's doing that, Ox has, is meeting with the attorney, and they start to get into this argument, and, uh, he's, you know, Ox gets all into a lather and is banging the table. and Because the attorney is opining that the baron should be paying Zofi's family right. a dowry rather than the other way around. Right, and the baron 
doesn't <laughs> like that idea. No, that's the that's completely contrary to the whole point of the marriage from his point of view. So basically, you know, everybody is kind of shooed from the scene <laughs> so that the marshalin can actually, you know, finish getting dressed and and make her you know, make her appearance to the world for the day. And as she's, you know, by herself, she is increasingly preoccupied with these thoughts that she's been having that she's coming to be, you know, of an age, and Octavian is coming of an age when she's going to have to give him up. And what does this mean for her? And, you know, she's she's looking at what she perceives to be the autumn of her life and what's that going to look like. Octavian returns in his own clothes. He knows that there's something wrong. She's in some sort of mood. Yeah, he can't get her to talk about it, you know, level with him about what's wrong. And the marshalin tells him, look, at some stage in the not-too-distant future, you're going to find a girl of your own age, you're going to fall in love, and you're going to leave me. Right. Of course, Octavian, still young, he doesn't understand what she's talking about. No. He can't conceive of that. Right. And he sets out to do her bidding, which is to bear the silver rose of their family on behalf of Baron Ox to Zofie von Fahnenal. And, uh, which he's heard about because he was dressed as the chambermaid right. when they made these plans earlier right. in the act. Right. So he just rushes out the door because he's rather upset with what the marshalin has said to him uh, and goes off to do his, his duty. Uh, and the marshalin realizes that she hadn't even kissed him goodbye or even give him a, given him a proper goodbye and that she's disturbed by the way they've left things and sends her servants to bring him back. And they said he's rushed out the door, leapt on his horse, and off he went. So she doesn't get to give him that sort of final kiss, if you like. She does not. End of Act 1. Yes. Act 2, we are in the home of Faninal. Yes. And Zofie. Right. Busily preparing for the arrival of the Night of the Rose. And there, everybody is all a flutter. Servants are rushing around everywhere. You know, last-minute cleaning, getting things prepared. And Zofi is there with her duena, Marianne. And her chaperone, her yeah, nurse, nurse. Companion. Right. And Zofi is just nervous as one can imagine she must be because she's a very young, young girl. She's not much older than 15. And she's very nervous about, uh, I mean, she knows who the Knight of the Silver Rose is. She's done, she's done her homework so that she can make the proper responses in the formal presentation of the rose. And the orchestra is, you know, getting, is mounting and mounting and getting more and more excited and more and more excited until finally in strides Octavian in full resplendent. 18, regalia. Regalia, you know, the wig, uh, the silver garbs. I mean, he just looks like, you know, something out of a, a fairy tale. And he's carrying the silver rose yes. in its box. And this the presentation of the rose, this is kind of one of the heights of the opera, isn't it? Oh, my goodness, is it ever. It's just some of the most exquisite music ever composed. Of course, inevitably, <laughs> Octavian and Zophie see each other and they fall in love. Boom! The sparks <laughs> fly. Instant, instant. You know, on the one hand, you know, the music is telling you 
that, you know, this is real. I mean, these two people have just instantly become completely smitten with one another. But there's this wonderful orchestral detail, and I always wait for it every time I see this opera. They sing the presentation scene of the rose, and it's just, oh, it's just gorgeous with, you know, both Octavian and Zofi having these gorgeous soaring lines. And they get to the end of that portion of it, and the orchestra's kind of calming down. And if you listen for it, you hear the solo clarinet laughing at them. Just this little, this little clarinet in the back going, ah, these kids. It's such a wonderful little detail that Strauss puts in there. So the presentation is over, and now the Baron himself can come in. Oy. <laughs> that changes the mood a little bit, doesn't Boy, it? Boy, does it ever. <laughs> because he's, he's so um, socially clumsy. You know, and he comes in and he meets Zofi, and of course he's delighted to find this, you know, delectable little young woman. And and he makes no bones about the fact that he's marrying her for her money. And uh, but, he's, but, but, but he's, he's marrying got, down as well. Yeah, he's marrying down in, in social station. But he figures, you know, she's pretty, so, you know, bonus. <laughs> of course, Octavian is just boiling with, with anger and Furious. jealousy. Furious. The Baron leaves the room to go and take care of the... Uh, paperwork. The paperwork, yes, with the, the notary in the adjoining room. Right. And Sophie and Octavian are just beside themselves. She knows that she can't marry this big buffoon yeah. because she wants to marry Octavian, and Octavian wants to marry her what to do yeah. grand dilemma yeah out from behind two pieces of furniture pop the italian intriguers anina and valsaki and how do they get involved well they find the two you know octavian and zofi in a clinch and immediately call everyone back in the room look what we found <laughs> look what we found and ox comes back in and octavian just screws up his courage and just confronts his cousin, who basically contemptuously laughs at him, more or less, and dismisses him as a, you know, a young boy, at which point Octavian is just in a right dudgeon and pulls his sword. Challenges him to a duel. Mm -hmm. And, <laughs> <laughs> and inevitably. Barely, barely touches the Baron with his sword. I mean, barely makes the tiniest little nick. <laughs> On the Baron, who just goes into this big, dramatic, <laughs> oh, I'm wounded, I'm wounded, oh, well, woe is me, I, how will I ever recover? And everybody's rushing to help him and bind his terrible wound. <laughs> he gets better very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> because he gets some of the of Faninal's good wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Faninal reacts angrily to Sophie and says he's going to send her off to the convent. Yeah. That's it for her. Yeah. Now, at this point, Octavian decides that in order to press his case with Zofi, he uses the two Italian intriguers. Right. And he, he basically buys them over to his side and has Anina give the Baron a note, which is supposedly from 
<laughs> the Martian the chambermaid. chambermaid. <laughs> Arranging an, an assignation, which immediately lifts his spirits and he... He sings his great waltz song, which is basically what closes the act as the Baron gleefully anticipates his, uh, his rendezvous with Mariandel the Chambermaid. Also known as Octavian. Octavian. <laughs> we should talk a little bit about the use of the waltz here because it's, it's almost a motif for the Baron. It is. And it's also... Despite the, I mean, this is taking place in Vienna, which of course is known for the waltz. I right. mean, they're almost synonymous. But at the time of this opera, it wasn't. I mean, the waltz. When the opera is, was when the opera was set. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. When the opera is set, uh, the waltz would have been an anachronism. Right. But also, you have there that element of it's it's an anachronism. But it's taking something, it's Strauss taking something that is quintessentially Viennese and associating it with this buffo character, yeah. this crude baron. Yeah. And it's, it's a sort of a, I not want to say a sarcasm there, but there is an, oh, an tweaking edge. of his, his predecessors and the, the other Strausses. The other Strausses, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Act three we are in an inn. In a room that has been outfitted, outfitted, tricked out, <laughs> trapdoors, fake windows, all kinds of stuff, which Anina and Valtaki are, are very, very uh, familiar with and aware of. This is the room in the inn where Baron Ox is to have his tryst with the chambermaid, Mariandel. Yes. So once again, Octavian is disguised as the chambermaid. Yeah. How do they sort out the Baron? <laughs> they set him up. <laughs> they completely set him up. They get him in there and, and you know, with, with Octavian as Mariandel. And before the Baron can get very far, pressing his, his affections upon the, uh, the pretty chambermaid, all of a sudden in comes Anina claiming to be <laughs> the Baron's wife. wronged wife, <laughs> along with this whole passel of children who are crowding around the Baron going, Papa, Papa, Papa. <laughs> and then there are, you know, there are figures popping out of windows and trapdoors, and it's just complete bedlam. This is to sort of unnerve the Baron. And it works. Yeah. <laughs> it works brilliantly. He to calls the, for the police. Yes. Without thinking, because when the police arrive, here he is in this room with this chambermaid, yeah, having did... just got engaged to Zofie. Yeah, how'd you get there, Baron? <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Fortunately, one of his servants had the foresight, seeing the way, that this situation was going downhill rapidly, uh, went and, and fetched the marshalin. But not before. Funny now turns up because he's been invited True. to come and see this spectacle. Right, and see what uh, his prospective son-in-law is, is really up to. So in comes the marshalin. And with her influence and her, her connections, she convinces the police that this was all just a, a, a farce, a joke. You know, nothing, nothing, nothing wrong. to worry about. You can go home now. I'll go back to your homes. <laughs> nothing to see here. <laughs> 
Yeah, and so uh, she she basically escorts the Baron away, but not before basically taking Octavian and putting him together with Zophie because she has realized the time has come. The time is now. It's time for her to give him up. And Zophie tells the Baron that my father, my father no longer is interested in oh, yeah. you marrying me. Yeah. We've seen what you're We're capable of. <laughs> We're done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> so. And this is the apotheosis of the Marshalin, isn't it? Yes. She is completely selfless. Yes. She gives Octavian up to Zophie because she knows that that's the sort of the natural order of things. Right. And this is the musical heart of the whole opera. This, this is trio. the great trio from Rosen Cavalier. It begins with Octavian singing her name, which is Marie Therese. And then you hear the marshalins sing the words, Hab mir's gelobt. And that begins, words can't do justice to it. They simply can't. You have to simply hear it to believe that anything that beautiful could, could exist in music. And it's, it's in the great tradition of operatic ensembles in that you have three people on stage. You've got the Marshallin, Octavian, and Zophie all singing their thoughts, giving their thoughts simultaneously, which you can only do in opera. If you did that in theater, it would be Three people talking over each other. People talking over each other. But because it's opera, and because their vocal lines are all interconnected and you, you're able to follow each and every one of them distinctly but simultaneously. And it's, um, it's great music and it's great theater. As Octavian and Zophie leave, she drops her handkerchief and there is this final touch. The Marshallin's little black servant picks it up and runs out to return it to them as they leave for their carriage. Right. And the curtain falls. Indeed. We've said so much about this opera. There is just the gorgeous music. But there is great characterization here, particularly with the figure of of the Baron. And the Marshallin, it has to be said. This woman who is generous of heart and who is facing a future of her own that may or may not be so rosy, frankly. You know, she could have been completely selfish and just hung on to Octavian as long as she wanted, and he'd have gone right along with it. Mm-hmm. Yep. He'd have done anything she wanted, and she, she did the right thing and gave him up, put his happiness first, and it's a very complex, very three-dimensional character. It's a great role for a, a Mozartian, Straussian soprano. And we should also mention that the role of Octavian is sung by a mezzo. Yes. So it's always played by a woman. Right, because it's in that great tradition of pants roles in opera where you have young boys on the verge of becoming men played by a woman because... because And you think back to the operas of Mozart as well. Absolutely, absolutely. Richard Strauss's Der Rosenkavalier. That's this week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. Thank you for listening.